McDonald was a uh, young man in, in college back in the 50s. And he wrote this little thing. He said, when I was uh, ran track in prep school, my coach invited me into his home one night for dinner. After the meal, he pulled out a notebook displaying my name on the front cover. And immediately, he turned to the back page, which bore the heading, June 1957, which at that point was three and a half years in the future. Gordon, he said, these are all the races I've scheduled for you to run over uh, almost the next four years. And here are the times you will achieve. I looked at those times and I thought in my head, impossible. These were light years from where I was right now and as a moment as this as a runner. The coach began to turn pages in the book, page by page, showing me the 42 months that he had scheduled out for workouts. They gradually accelerated plans of increased skills on the track as months would grow into years. He had the sense of direction and development that when I came to my athletic growth, coaches and leaders understand it's absolutely necessary to have strategic long-range planning. Similar, all-wise and all-knowing God has a plan for your life gradually and inevitably down the years that you will become more like Jesus. I want to talk to you about the plan that God has, or a law, if you will, of increase. Life should bring increase. There are certain laws in life, they're unescapable. The law of gravity is unescapable. Now, I'm glad about that, so we don't all float off into, into who knows where. This is a law. When you get out of bed, you don't put your feet on the ceiling, you put your feet on the floor. It's a common understanding. It's a law we don't even think about. In fact, the first automobile law in the United States that was passed that became universal among all the colonies uh, and all the places where vehicles were going to pass left to left. Now we don't even think about that when we drive. There are certain laws in life God puts in, and one is the law of growth. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. We understand that sowing and reaping has to do with the law of increase. So I want to talk to you about that, the law of increase This morning, Zechariah 8, verses 11 and 12. God is speaking to Israel, his people. He says, but now I will not treat the remnant of my people as I've treated them before, says the Lord of heaven's armies. For I am planting seeds of peace and prosperity among you. The grapevine will be heavy with fruit. The earth will produce its crop and the heaven will release the dew. Once more, I will cause the remnant of Judah and Israel to inherit these blessings. God has put in nature increase. 
We know that it's it's you know a real blessing right now because we have so many babies around and to watch them grow, to watch them begin to walk uh, and the unstableness of that. But it's fascinating as they begin to talk and begin to be able to express themselves. Uh, it's fun to watch because that's very natural. It's very natural for growth. We know that, uh, you know, if you just leave bushes or grass or tree, they grow. The term to grow like weeds. God has put that in to creation. Genesis 1, 24-28, And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so, and God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, the cattle according to its kind, everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image, According to the likeness of heaven, let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the to grow. I've enjoyed the Sunday school series that we've done as Pastor Greg is going through the numbers of churches. That now in 1983, he's up to 165 churches, which would have included Rochester and Cape Cod and uh, just a handful of churches back here on the East Coast. That as he's going through that now, uh, approaching 4,000 churches. Growth is something that is in the hearts of men and women. This is many, this is why people get up and go to work for increase. Proverbs You know, as one person said, they may be, you know, 10 feet wide, but they're, you know, half an inch thick. For our Canadian friends, that's about a centimeter and a half, okay? So, you know, the reality of that is just that the that life, you know, there's people who they don't progress in Christ. I've always called them the PNCs, the perpetual new converts. That although they've been saved for four, five, six, seven, eight years, they're still struggling like they've only been saved for four or five weeks. That's not healthy. There's something missing that's not there in their life. There's no spiritual growth or increase. First Peter 2.2, like newborn babes, 
You must crave the pure spiritual milk that you grow into the full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Every new mother knows that, you know what, when a baby's hungry, they can't say, dear mom, mom, were you sleeping? I'm sorry. But I'm hungry. It's not what they do, is it? They, right? And you're, you know, mom knows it. Actually, they start a little slower and if mom's real good and then dad's like, oh, he's sleeping through the night. She's like, no, he's not. (laughs) Was that only me? Anyway, true story. But anyway, others should see spiritual progress. Paul writes to the Hebrews, he says, at the time when you ought to be teachers, you have need that someone teaches you again. He says there is a natural time where this should be there in your life. And is it? Is the increase there? Paul writes to Timothy, a young pastor. He says, give you, give yourself complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into the task so everyone will see your progress. So here's the question. We're approaching a new year. People will make all sorts of New Year's resolutions. Number one, New Year's resolution, lose weight. Number two, get out of debt. Let me ask you, did you make one of those last January? And has there been progress? Some people are old enough to go, nah, I don't even bother anymore. Right? But has there been progress? Or again, for our Canadian friends, progress. 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 and 13. And may the Lord make uh, your love for one another and all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. May He, as a result, make your hearts strong, blameless, holy as you stand before God our Father when Jesus, when our Lord Jesus comes Again, with all of his holy people. Amen. Says, you know what? Your spiritual growth should be there. And so it is a good time of year to ask, has there been increase in your spiritual life? Or are you still a new convert? And what could you do about it? Because we could talk about the next thing, which is financial. Everybody wants to grow financially. Right? You, you, there's all sorts of people out there. They're, you know, uh, managers of growth funds and hedge funds and this fund and that fund and all of these. And they want to grow your money. And there's nothing wrong with that. Especially if, you know, the, the, the more you look towards retirement, the more you realize I should have paid attention more to that. But the, uh, but the reality is we all want to grow. We all want to be blessed financially with things. Second Corinthians 9, 10 and 11. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, He will provide and increase your resources 
then produce a great harvest in you, in, uh, of generosity in you. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when you take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. It's not hyper faith. I'm not talking about, you know what, you just go out and name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, whatever. But there is a desire in every one of our hearts to be blessed. Poverty is not spirituality. God wants to increase. He wants to bless. That's what our text is speaking of in one aspect. We're going to look at all the aspects it's speaking of in just a moment. But one aspect is God wants to bless you financially. He wants to prosper you. Why? So that you can then be a blessing. There's also the understanding of knowledge of growing in. Maybe you're not a new convert or dealing with new convert things, but are you growing in the knowledge of the things of God? 2 Peter 3.18, rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to Him, both now and forever. Amen. To grow in, you know, the apostles came to Jesus, Luke 17, increase our faith. To grow in the knowledge and the purposes of God. Scripture, to study, to read your Bible. Again, as we approach a new year, it is a good time to get a Bible reading program in place and say, you know what? I'm going to read my Bible a couple of chapters a day so I can read the whole thing in one year. It would be very beneficial for you to read your Bible on your own. Don't just wait for the the pastor to say, open your Bibles too, because if he didn't, you wouldn't. But to read it every day. How many Bible reading programs are there out there? Last Google thing I saw was 15,000. But, you know, I don't know if they're every individual program. But you can find one that works for you. You don't have to read your Bible completely. Maybe it'll take you two years. That's fine. But you read a little bit every day or five, six days a week anyway. Very healthy. It's natural for us to want to increase. And of course, in fruitfulness. God commissioned the church to make impact in the earth. Why are we here? Not just so we can feel good and sing Kumbaya. It is to make impact in the earth. That is the purpose of the church of Jesus Christ. John fifteen sixteen. You did not choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. So that the Father will give you whatever you ask. For using my name. This has to be contended for as a church, but it also has to be contended for as individuals. 
for you yourself personally to win somebody to Christ. To witness to someone. Tell them about the Lord Jesus. It's not always natural. Sometimes you feel like, well, what will I say? What if I say the wrong thing? It's very possible. But you know what? God's bigger than the wrong thing. I've heard altar calls that I've gone, what was he talking about? And people go, I need to get saved. And like, wow. I had, wow. Because God will use it. Colossians 1.6 This time the good news that came to you is going out over all the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just as it changed your life from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. The gospel works. I've seen lives changed around the world in all sorts of different cultures. I've seen ex-Muslims and ex-Hindus, ex-Catholics, ex-dirty, rotten, filthy, lying sinners all get saved. Whatever it was, whatever lifestyle they were coming out of, that they got gloriously saved and converted, changed and transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That desire needs to be in every heart. Because when we have to ask the problem, when there is no increase. I've mentioned it before, they, a girl I had gone to school with, she actually, it's, she had been around the church quite a bit because her father owned the convenience store that literally shared a wall with the church when it first opened on Cape Cod. I had gone to school with Mary and knew her a little bit. She went on. She had a baby. And one day she brought the baby. I was on, I was now the assistant pastor on Cape Cod. So this is probably 1999 or so. She brought the baby because the baby wasn't growing. And the doctors were very alarmed. Not gaining weight. Not growing at all. Asked us to pray. We prayed, and right after that, that baby shot up, I think gained two pounds in the next couple of weeks. Too many times, the problem with no increase is, one, nobody expects it. Oh yeah, we're going to do all of this, but we don't expect anybody to get saved. To really get it. There's no, there's a lack of expectation for God to do something. Rebecca is married to a man named Isaac. Isaac is the son of Abraham. And 20 years has gone by. 20 years of marriage. And the Bible says that Rebecca had no children. And one day this began to bother her. And the classic expression quoted by Pastor Greg, this was not acceptable. So her husband, Genesis 25, 21, Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. And the Lord answered Isaac's prayer. 
And Rebecca became pregnant with twins. There's so much you can glean from that verse. One is that uh, you pray for fruitfulness. Jesus uh, mentioned that. I've chosen you. You didn't choose me. And he mentions at the end of that, whatever you ask of the Father, in light of being fruitful, you ask it in my name and I'll give it to you. But there's many people who would just go, eh, it's the will of God. I, we've tried. We did our best. I guess it's not meant to be. The promise was there for Isaac, just like the promise is there for us. We can't just accept it. God wants to bring increase. Sometimes there's a reason. Sometimes it's sin in the camp. This could be morals. This could be rebellion. Whatever it is. Thomas Metron, though, wrote these words, said it's easy to blame others and justify ourselves for our disobedience. But in following the quote, he identifies the key reasons why we fail to experience the freedom and the joy that Christ offers others, other believers. It's not because someone else is preventing you from living happy, happily. You yourself do not know what you want. Rather than admit this and ask God for help, you pretend it's someone else that is keeping you from, exi- from experiencing your liberty. Who is that someone else? It's really yourself. That so often there are factors and I've, you know, God will expose that. I took over a church one time that had blatant immorality going on and, you know, underneath. And it was like until we dealt with it, some people finally either confessed or I had to put them out. And after that, God began to really move. There are times where there's rebellion, me, 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 and you go, okay, you know what, we're going to go through that. It's like, okay, time to time, you go through the me, 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 people, and that, you know, rises and falls, but it's interesting that as they're chomping at the bits, God's saying, I can't bring people into that atmosphere. I'm either going to have to take them out or they're going to have to get their hearts right. But God wants... Revival, Matthew 13, 18 through 23. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seeds that fell upon the footpath represent those who hear the message of the kingdom but don't understand it. And the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they have no deep root... They do not last. And as soon as they have a problem or are persecuted for believing God's word, the seed, uh, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but are all too quickly. The message is crowded out by worries of this life, the lure of riches, and it produces no fruit. The seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. And it produces a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundred times that which is planted. The hard ground, the impenetrable, 
You know, there's people here this morning that won't hear a word that is being said. It's just impenetrable. There's the stony ground. They hear it, but it goes nowhere. It goes down, seems like for a moment it's there, and then it's gone. Among the thorns are those who hear the word, but they are so involved in everything else. You know what? I'll come to morning service as long as the bills aren't playing at one o'clock. Or the weather's not good for golf. Or if I woke up on a day that ends with Y. Or whatever it is. That they begin to say, you know what? There's a reason I've got some other things I have to do. And then there's the good fruit. You have to ask, because Jesus is talking about, of course, hearts. Is your heart hardened? Is it burdened with other things? Is it shallow and emotional? Luke 13, 6-8, Jesus told a story. A man planted a fig tree in the garden and he came to see it again and again and there was no fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years. It hasn't produced a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The, garden answered, the gardener answered and said, give it one more chance. Leave it for another year. I'll pay special attention to it and use plenty of fertilizer. If there's no increase, we have to ask, what is our part in this? What is our part? Fundamental truth you have to ask is, what are you planting? Are you planting, witnessing in the Word of God? Are you planting, reading and studying? Are you giving? Are you tithing for financial blessing? Some of the answer is simply nothing. I'm, not, I'm doing nothing, and that's what you'll get is absolutely nothing. A harvest, a hundred times fold of nothing. Because a hundred times zero is still zero. Our text, though, tells us and uses a very interesting word that is used throughout the Bible that we all love. It's the word blessing. Zechariah 8, 11 and 12, our text. But now I will not treat the remnant of my people as I've treated them before, says the Lord of heaven's armies. For I am planting seeds of peace and prosperity among you. Your grapevine will be heavy with fruit. The earth will produce its crop and the heaven will release the dew. Once more, I will cause the remnant of Judah and Israel to inherit the blessing. When we get our hearts in line with what God wants to do, He will bless us. Acts 16, 5, and so the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Blessing has to do with God getting involved. It goes beyond your ability. 
There's the normal lift of salvation. It's a normal lift. You get saved, and you should have some prosperity in your life, if you will. Because Number one, because sin is expensive. It's expensive. Sin costs lots of money and time and effort. And, you, you know, you got to remember who you lied to and what lie you told to this person so that you don't, and you pray that, you know, uh, that they don't overlap and they find out your lies are not quite your lies or, you know, and you got to avoid this person. You can't have this one with that one. And, you know, it's like that's, wow, that's a lot of work. Not to mention the costs and the, how much, you know, you spent on, on whatever, alcohol or whatever. It's expensive. That's the natural lift. But what God is talking about here in our text is the blessing. When God makes our efforts multiply. When He gets involved, Malachi 3.10, bring the tithes into the storehouse so that there'll be enough food in my temple. And if you do not say, uh, and do, uh, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up a window of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so great that you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. God says, you know what your part is? You do. You realize that faith in me and nine tenths will be greater than your ability and ten tenths. Says, you just try me on that. You prove me blessing, room enough that you can't handle. It will cause an increase that goes way beyond. Deuteronomy 28 is the chapter. It's, it's a long chapter in the Bible. It's one of those that many, you know, kind of repeats itself, but it repeats itself on blessing and curse. If Deuteronomy 2, 6 through, Deuteronomy 28, 2 through 6, you will experience all the blessings, all these blessings, if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. Your offsprings and your herds and your flocks will be blessed. Your fruit of your basket and your breadboards will be blessed. And whatever you do and wherever you, uh, wherever you go and whatever you do will be blessed. He goes on in this unbelievable. I will get actively involved in your life, in your efforts, in all there is that you would contend for. Our text is telling us to look for the blessing of God. You have a right as a believer, if you're doing what you should be doing, to look for the blessing of God. Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow with it. When we hear the word rich, after thinking about someone you might know as Richard, you might also think about the term money. But it's not just money. You can be rich in wisdom. You can be rich in spirituality, in relationship, in all sorts of things. 
Galatians 6, 9, do not get tired of doing what is good, for at the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. The law of increase is something we need to contend for in our lives. Because God wants to increase you in fruitfulness, in practical areas of life, in finances, in knowledge, in spirituality. He wants to increase you. And this, in context, is actually about the church or His people, Israel. Today it would be the church. That God wants to grow His church. That's what He wants to do. And we have to expect that. Colossians 2.19 And they that are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for He holds the whole body together with joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. The plan, both deep and wide. 1 Corinthians 3.7 I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollo watered it. But it's God who made it grow. It is important. It's not important who does the planting or the watering. What is important is that God makes the seed grow. This can be numbers, dominion, knowledge, church planting. Every area of life that we need to contend for. To be the people that God has called us to be. It's a law that God has put into creation. The landscaper looks surprised. Will you say that again, ma'am? The lady of the house waved her hand over several acres of woodland that she was having landscaped. I want it, I want it as this picture, how it will look when it's finished. A fish pond, a rose garden. I could see what it looked like, because it came out of better homes and garden. Hard to say, ma'am, you know, the man said. You're dealing here with living things. I can show you the pattern, I guess, on how these things grow. But you're going to have to keep planting, cultivating, and trimming. Who's to say what it will look like someday? You never know what you're dealing with because you're dealing with living things. It's a great picture of the church. Living things. Living stones, Peter calls us, built into the habitation of the presence of God. Out of that, we can grow ourselves. Just like a garden, there'll be different plants and different calls and different places for people and different opportunities, different times of fruitfulness or beauty or whatever. But the understanding there that is put out is that we can grow. We can look at ourselves and say, you know what, God? I want that increase 
that supernatural blessing. Get involved in my life, whether that's finances, fruitfulness, spirituality, and God will help you. That's the promise we have. That's what God says. This is a law. I'm going to help you. I will bless you. I will cause this to happen if you respond to me correctly. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Every head bowed for just a moment. We want to give an invitation first and foremost to those of you who maybe don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You're not born again. You've never asked Jesus into your heart. Never experienced the wonder of forgiveness of sins. It only comes not because you're a good person or because you've done certain things. It comes because you are willing to bow your knee and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need your blood to wash me from my sins. I know you have a plan for my life. You rose again from the high and believing you to help me. If that's you this morning, I wonder if you'd very quickly slip up your hand. Say, pray for me. I need to get my heart right with Jesus. Anyone at all, very quickly. Maybe you're here and you're backslidden. You once knew the Lord. Maybe no spiritual growth. Maybe you've been, you prayed years ago, but there is no evidence of that. There's no spiritual increase whatsoever. You need to get your heart. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand. Pray for me. I need to get right with God. Changing the call then to Christians. There are times in our lives we have to evaluate. Are we doing what we can be to see the increase God wants to bring for our lives, for our church, for our purpose in the earth? Why we're here, not just in, not just at 1101 Clover Street, why we're here. Are we contending for that? To see people reach, to see the blessing and the tangible move of God in our lives, the spiritual knowledge, growing in knowledge and grace. God's blessing, you begin to move, God will meet you more than halfway. In fact, if you look at the principle of tithing, he'll meet you nine-tenths of the way and cause greater increase than you could ever do on your own. That's the principle, the law of increase. Let's all stand. We're going to sing that song, Take Me Past the Outer Courts, Worship God. These altars are open. We're going to give time for people to pray. Take me past the outer court. And through the holy place Past the brazen altar Lord, I want to see your face Pass me by the crowds of people Priests who sing your praise Hunger and I thirst for your righteousness It's only found in one place Take me into the
Take me past the outer court And through the holy place Past the brazen altar Lord, I want to see your face Pass me by the crowds of people And the priests who sing your praise Hunger and I thirst for your righteousness But it's only found in one place Take me into the Holy of Holies Take me in by the blood and of the Lamb Take me into the Holies And take a call, cleanse my hands Take me in Take a call. And take a call. Cleanse my lips. One last time. Take a call. And take a call. Cleanse my lips. Here I Let's give Him praise. Let's thank Him this morning. Father, we love you.